an award-winning African-American cartoonist? Yes, please. We're talking to Rob Armstrong next. You are tuned in to Black Hollywood Lives, breaking into... Hello, and welcome to another edition of Breaking Into here on Black Hollywood Live. I'm your host, James Law Jr. And of course, you can follow me on all the interwebs at James Law Jr. That simple. My guest today is somebody I've admired for 100 years. <laughs> I'm so glad. And I was just telling before the show was coming on, this is like a full circle moment for me. I get to actually talk to him and ask him questions about his comic strip, Jumpstart, which is... I mean, widely syndicated, been around for a long time, award-winning. It just, it's just, it's just so great. And he has a book about his whole life experience called Fearless. And it's called Fearless, The Katrina's Guide to Life, Ladies, and Gentlemen, Rob Armstrong. Hey, man. How are you? I'm great, man. It's nice Welcome. to be. This is nice, man. This is this nice? I'm going to give you some little shimmer back here. Yeah. And the coloring's good for us. It's perfect for us. It works for our skin tones. <laughs> I always like that. I'm like, I, look at, I look at everything to make sure everything looks good for Seriously. my guests. For nice, my guests. nice. Beautiful from, studio, man. I'm not kidding. Yeah, that's very nice. Thank you. Thanks, James. So thanks for coming on and coming right, out today. Great, great to be here, man. So you have a book. So we're going we're gonna to start with the book first and then work backwards. Okay. So what was the impetus to writing the book? It's a long journey to write a book. Yeah. Um, I had done a lot of speaking ever since my career began about 27 years ago. I've done wow. a lot of public speaking. It's a perfect fit in a way for a cartoonist to go yeah. out, meet kids, go to schools. And one thing that I had heard over and over again, in fact, the one thread running through my whole career is you should, you should write a book because my, my speaking is so, um, it's not just motivational and all that, mm -hmm. but it's very effective. Mm. And it gets kids believing. It gets audiences to feel something to feel that the struggle is worth it that it can pay off mm -hmm. so I had these incredible stories man about being a yeah. speaker and seeing really amazing things I, I once had a girl avert a suicide I mean she confessed to me after I was finished yeah. I was going to commit suicide and all that and like you talk did something and I I began to believe yeah I should write a book I should mm -hmm. write a book because the problem is no matter how successful I, I, I was as just mm -hmm. a speaker I'm only reaching 150 people right. in this room. Right. You know, a big room has like 500 people yeah, right, in it. Right, right. But it's very minimal mm -hmm. in the grand scheme of, of life. Mm -hmm. And a book is, as you know, it's the opposite. Yeah. It's a chance to really go large with yeah. it. And so, yeah, about three years ago, um, I made that pitch, a similar pitch to Reader's Digest, and okay. they, thank, thank God, <laughs> they went for it. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, the book really has this this purpose behind it. I've lived, I believe, um, a purposeful life of struggle. And not just, you know, lots like of people. That. I like that. Well, yeah, lots of people have a struggle. Yeah, you know what right. I mean? Yeah, you, know, yeah. you grow up, I, I'm from Philadelphia, man. And I meet somebody from New York and they're like, you think you had it rough. I'm from <laughs> South Bronx. I had my college roommate was like that. I'm from the South Bronx of New York, brother. I'm like, well, I get it, man. I get it. There's always the, I like the Pain Olympics. We're like, well, I grew up in South right. Joe A. So like, what are you talking about? I love the Pain Olympics. It's like the bronze, the gold, right. like, like, which, but it's all struggle. Right. right. And I try not to engage in it, but it just happens. <laughs> it it's like, wait happen. a second. What do you mean my struggle is not as terrible as your struggle? Right. Um, <laughs> yes. But the thing, the thing about that, it's very funny because the thing about that is those stories are so common, James, that that can't be the whole thing. It's not just about being in a dark place and somehow finding your way out. Anybody who's in that dark place doesn't want to really hear you say, yeah, I came from a dark place. I got out of it. That's not it. The thing they want to experience is when you go back with a flashlight, that they can, they can do something like with that. that. 
They can't do anything with this. Hey, I'm how are yeah. you still in the dark? What's what? What? Hey, mm. I, I come back. I'm hoping this book shines a light, man. Well, I, I'll tell you something. You fit right. My my you know, my motto of my show, of course, is share knowledge with each other and pay it forward. And I believe that in a relatable way. And right. what you just said is that's what it is. Because you can say, well, I made it and you can too. I mean, <laughs> right. Yeah, how? <laughs> yeah. That means nothing to people. I mean, like they, right. I mean, sometimes it does. Sometimes people, they see a African-American cartoonist. Right. Seeing you right now it could be enough for some people. Sure. Saying, wow, there's, oh, oh, my God, I can do this? Just right. seeing you. Right. But for most of us, we need more than just that. Yeah. And so your book will possibly do that. It's very people. instructional. Um, one of one of my buddies, um, I have a real good friend who endorsed my book on the back cover, Tommy Davidson. Yes, you have a lot of friends on here endorsing Quincy <laughs> Jones, Anson Williams. You know, yeah, you got good some dudes, folks in man. here. Mm-hmm. Real, real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> your buddy, yes, Tommy Davidson. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. So Tommy, I know Tommy the longs of all those guys. Okay. And um, Tommy said, "This is must read. This is this is required reading, man. If somebody's going through it." Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a great. I wish that was on the back cover of the book, actually. Yeah, yeah. But what he decided to put on the back is good too. But he said this is this is required. <laughs> yes. He said this is if you are um, an artist. Yeah, I'm gonna say yeah. Every school teaching art, this should be required mm-hmm. reading. I love hearing that because I endeavor to write a book that had that kind of specific, identifiable mm-hmm. purpose mm-hmm. that you could go back to it, not just read it one time, but go back and yeah. say, you know what, I'm gonna read chapter 14 again. Right. Something was in there. It could there. be a reference book. Like a reference book. And it's got yeah. the art um, instruction, it's got the life instruction. Folks, this book is so well put together. <laughs> Look at this. The, even the pages feel nice. I'm Doesn't just telling you. Good? I feel like I'm on QVC right now. The pages are nice and they turn high easily. Quality. High quality. You did high quality. Folks. Mm-hmm. Each page is like a business card quality. It's very it nice. does. I'm not doing. It. I like it's all glossy and everything. Um, <laughs> I'm all for that. But I mean, but, but in all seriousness, we were joking around a little bit. But on seriousness, it's like this, this could be a good reference book for people. Like you said just an artist in general. Yeah, if you're an artist, um, th- there's a faith component to it. If you believe, mm. and everybody who's faith driven has moments of doubt and, and uncertainty. This is affirmation in that way. Like we're not supposed to have an easy life. Yeah. And I don't think an easy life is is desirable, to be yeah. honest with you. I hate to say that. Yeah. Because we admire this person, wish we had a life like that person. But an easy life is a curse. I mean, you want to have struggle because you, you can have victory. Mm-hmm. And once you have victory, mm. you start to believe that nothing can stop you. It's a very mm. powerful elixir to yeah. just to go through, you know. Mm-hmm. And and frankly, to have a life that um that is not filled with regret. Like, I don't regret. Listen, I was born in West Philly, man. <laughs> Let me tell you, 1962, okay? okay. It was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, I have I have no regrets in anything either. I, I've, I learned to get rid of those. I, well, I had to learn, first I learned how to forgive myself. That was number one. Right. Once I just forgave myself for whatever went on, it's like, oh, it was life. Now I got great stories, too. Yeah, and forgive someone else. My dad uh, yeah. stepped out right away. Yeah. He saw me being born. He was like, deuces, man. I I, yeah. I saw him again when I was in my late 40s. Wow. He, he saw me born and was like, I'm out. I saw him again in my late 40s. He's like, you probably hate me, man. And uh, I was already, I'd already succeeded by then. Yeah. And yeah. I said, I don't hate you, man. He said, yeah. well, I want to be a dad. I want to, you know, do d- dad son things. I was like, okay, that's cool. Okay. We go see a ball game and then we scheduled to see a, it's so <laughs> weird. We, we made an appointment. Okay, I said, yeah, okay. I said, you go down to the will call and you buy two tickets and then mm-hmm. we meet down there and we go see the game. He's like, okay. okay. And I went and he couldn't make it. I was down there. I, bought, <laughs> I went and got my son. <laughs> Me and my son went and saw the game. You know what I mean? We had one yes. appointment in, in 48 years at that point. Uh, awful, awful. But you have to forgive everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, you experience this kind of um, 
thing, uh, the neglect of a parent is hardcore. I've had to. Yeah, That's so serious. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you have to understand that even that can make you a much uh, stronger, more effective person. Because mm -hmm. now you have empathy. Now you meet someone, oh, yeah. you feel for them. You understand their, yeah. their, their plight. And like I said, Philly was just filled with those things. Um, my, my, uh, my oldest brother was killed when I was... Uh, when I was only six. Oh my God, wow. My oldest brother was, um, I lived right near 56, anyone from Philadelphia okay. is going to know what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay. I lived at 56 and Walnut, which okay. is three blocks from 56 and Market. On 56 and Market in Philadelphia, okay. the subway ran. Oh, okay. okay. You could, it was so loud, you could hear the subway <laughs> every single day, oh all God. day. Just oh rumble, God. rumble, rumble. Uh, and uh, my brother was killed there. My brother was caught in the doors of a moving subway train when he was um, 13. And uh, it was torn in two pieces. Oh my God, that's and, crazy. Uh, it, it, was, it was crazy. And it left a mark on my family that remains. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm it left, sure. It left a mark on me that yeah. remains. But yeah. when I say that um, an easy life is not a desirable life, um, his death, I would not have this book Definitely, I wouldn't have this yeah. book without that that experience. Yeah. I would certainly not have a syndicated comic strip wow. without the death of my brother. My, when I do my speaking, also a lot mm -hmm. of it's about him, mm -hmm. because his passing so young, yeah, altered the way I view life and death. So young mm -hmm. that my life took on an urgency when I was just a child. Yeah, yeah. That urgency led to an early discovery of my purpose and that's kind of what we're all here to discover yeah, yeah. I, mean, I love talking to you about what you're doing with your motivational yeah. thing yeah. and your life coaching yeah. if you know your purpose nothing scares you mm -hmm. the not knowing of one's purpose is the scariest thing about life that's completely that's agree. what this book is about that's why it's called yeah. fearless it's overcoming the uncertainty of not knowing what you're even doing here like yeah. why were you even yeah. born you know so, I know folks that seriously are in that space where they don't even know what this is we doing, and you watch them just aimlessly around, it, which is is risky. It is that's risky to live that way. I know, and I remember when I didn't have my. I mean, I did I did things like I was I thought I was supposed to. You know, you get you have a family, you get a job, right. and you work till you're sixty five, you retire. That's what I thought I was supposed to do. Right, and I wasn't happy. I mean, through my life, I wasn't happy. I was doing these jobs I didn't care for. And you're looking at people who are literally dying. Yes, and they're doing that. Yeah, exactly. They're they're approaching death, like literally, yes. like I'm yeah. just going here again to what's today Monday. Yeah. Well, you know, for me, my stomach started to hurt. My last job that I finally decided to quit, my stomach hurt every day. And when I gave notice, it stopped hurting. What? Talk about trust your gut. Wow. Like, literally, I had to trust my gut. Mm. Once I gave notice and said, I'm done, my stomach stopped hurting the next day. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing, but also, as you think about it, it's, just, it's really, like, real. I mean, it's, like, it's completely, like, of course. Because wow. now I'm not worried anymore. Right. Now right. I'm upset about going to this job I have to go to that I hate. Oh, yeah. Like, now I'm done. But that's such a common plight. We're talking about millions of people. Mm hmm who are forced into a life with like this sort of, uh, I hate what I do, but I don't know, I think I'm supposed to be doing this. Right. You will know, anyone who's got that career, that purpose, mm -hmm. doesn't even have to be a career. I hate to call career a purpose. Okay. Sometimes a person's um, purpose isn't financial. Right, yeah, no, right. It's not a financial Right, thing. no, I don't feel like that. You know, yeah. they're, they're doing something, their contribution to the world 
isn't a money making thing. That's true. Some of the most successful people in the world weren't rich. No, they weren't. <laughs> no, they the, sure were. They sure I don't were. know if Dr. Martin Luther King was rich. I don't think he was. <laughs> no, he was got, got a holiday and everything. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so uh, sometimes it's just about doing yeah. the thing that's that's risky. Mm-hmm. and meaningful and then watching lives change and saying I'll do that again tomorrow and when it clicks right. like for me when I became a uh, when I quit everything in 2008 when we had a huge recession going on people thought I was crazy right. and I took my, my, my savings and was just like I'm going to just see what's out there it took like a year off kind of figuring that out and when it clicked it was just like most glue. It, was like, it was like a romantic feeling wow like, I'm going to be an organizer I got it yeah. oh my god and then a couple years later I'd be a life coach. Oh my god! Like it was, it was, almost, it was like this romantic. I was meeting somebody and falling in love. Nice. That's how it felt for me. And I was like, I got it. And I told people, you can have it too. Like this, this is a great thing. I'm like, I don't have the key or anything. It's like, it's like you can have it also. Absolutely. You Absolutely. Just, you just gotta be open to it, right? To let it in. Yeah, you have to be. Um, it's funny because you know, just as African Americans, we come up against that wall yes. a lot. Yes. Um, and it never ends. It's not like nope. you make it and now it ends. Nope. I mean, I was pulled over in 2013 by the cops for nothing. I had um, a SWAT <laughs> team with rifles on me last year at a 7-Eleven. See? <laughs> I mean, it's about so, how you yeah. react to it. I mean, yes. now that you know, yeah. now that you, you know, they're, they're, they've clearly got the wrong guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, the, the same here. Like, <laughs> the cop pulled me over. I'm like, I mean, first of all, I can tell you right now, you, you look just like the suspect who robbed somebody. I said, okay, <sighs> you know, it hasn't come to that yet. Thankfully, yes. I'm, I'm successful. Yeah. But listen, today ain't over yet. <laughs> no, it's not, no, it's not. You know what I mean? But I no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not exactly robbing people. And here's who I am. Here's what I do. I said, it's, 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 it's an understandable mistake. Mm-hmm. And the police officer apologized to me at the end of the um, altercation. It doesn't have to always go so smoothly. No. And some of it's just knowing how to respond to bad things. I don't want to oversimplify life. No, of course not. We're not, we're not addressing that at all. But no. if you respond inappropriately to bad things, you can do yourself a lot of unnecessary harm. Mm-hmm. That's what I believe. That's true. I know I agree. I mean, we, again, we're not simplifying stuff to like, it's just, oh, you know, just be a good person. And be like, no, things can go wrong for any Real reason. Wrong. Yeah. And my in my case, they didn't apologize to me and I was really pissed, but I didn't <laughs> go off on them. <laughs> I'm smart for them. I didn't go off because I was the only person of color in the whole place. So I wow. didn't, yeah. They thought, they, oh, well, the side alarm went off and, you know, and there were white folks in the store with me and they only did it to me. You said a SWAT team came? Mm-hmm. They don't call the SWAT team unless you're heavily armed. I'm in, I was in West Hollywood at a 7-Eleven on Crescent, <laughs> I can tell you, Crescent Heights and San Michael Boulevard. Um, and I was just, just getting, I don't think I was getting a Slurpee. I don't even know what, I, don't even, I can't know what I was getting at this point because I've blocked it out at this point. And, I, and seriously, they, and I, I saw them kind of coming around because sometimes I these big windows like, I right. saw them coming I'm like I mean there was a homeless guy I was like, going for the homeless guy and what was going on it was you and it was me <laughs> they busted the I'll never forget the rest of my life turn around with your hand I mean I was just like you just dropped the slurpee and yeah, everything. Just... I don't know what I dropped what was going on I just I was I was really I was really I was, I was actually was traumatized for it but again I had to I had to like forgive that situation right because I didn't get any like I'm sorry sir we did that she just like right. well we thought you did it and you know I'm like they had no shame whatsoever my my brother um and I write about this extensively in okay. detail in the book um my brother have two brothers one was killed as I said when he was 13 my, my surviving brother is five years older than I am when he was 17 I was 12 and this happened to him in Philadelphia um, in those days um, when I was 12 it was still the 70s yeah okay yeah and it was a brutal time in Philadelphia Ooh. in the 70s we had a really 
controversial mayor named Frank Rizzo and okay. the police force had kind of a green light to do whatever they had to ask questions later, just take the Billy, they call him the Billy Club. You know, he ended up being the mayor. He still carried his Billy Club as a mayor. He carried a Billy Club, like, hey, I'm the mayor. And he just had a police force that just asked questions later. He told them, look, we're the cops, we'll get acquitted. You do whatever you gotta do, Dang. we'll get acquitted. He just came out and told them. And they, uh, they plucked my brother off the street. Like I said, he was uh, 17. Uh, he beat, he, he was beaten so, so, so severely um, they called my mother, Mrs. Armstrong, we have your son here, and he's like, for what? I mean, he's the nicest dude. I mean, to this day, like, my brother's the sweetest oh, guy, like, you ever want to meet, nicest guy. She's like, for, for what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was a suspect in an armed robbery. She's like, okay. And Dot Armstrong, my mom, uh, God rest her soul, I, I lost her too. Uh, and I, I'll tell you a little bit about her and yeah. what losing her has done to okay. me. And again, I wouldn't have a book without these yeah. amazing yeah, yeah. things. Yeah. So she went to get my brother and he, uh, she didn't recognize him. She, oh he, was too, he was too beat up. She walked right by him. He said, Mom, I'm right. He said, he was on the bench. He said, Mom, where are you going? And she, oh and she, she looked at him and said, um, they're not going to get away with this. So for the remainder of my life, now this happened when I was 12. 12. So all through my teens, literally all through my teens, my family was in this vicious fight with the city of Philadelphia. Oh my God! Wow. And this little lady, Dot Armstrong, was at the front of this Your massive. Fight. Yeah, she was. She was fearless, and uh, um, and she's the reason this book is called Fearless. By the way, listen, I had my own my own moments where I went out and slayed some yeah, dragons, yeah. but it's called Fearless because Dot Armstrong was just one single mom. Wow! I never had a dad in my life. She was just a single yeah. mom and saw this injustice with her son and went up against wow. the city. My family got death threats and everything. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, she was on TV. Oh my she God. was a crusader. She was on yeah. this crusade to get justice for her son. Yeah. Didn't get it, man, they got acquitted. They went back to work. After this trial was over, they got up, gave our family the finger and went back to work. Wow. So when all this stuff happened, um, in recent memory with you know the Trayvon Martins and oh, the Ferguson yeah, 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 and yeah, this yeah. and that, yeah. here's the thing about that. I don't want to sound cavalier mm -hmm. when I say this, mm -hmm. but it was just so familiar. To, it was mm -hmm. so familiar to me mm -hmm. that my reaction surprised some people because it was yeah. all happening. People were up in arms, yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. I was just, it's how you feel when something familiar mm -hmm. happens. Not not blase, no, just no. like my fan, you know, I spent, you know, I spent seven straight Years, yeah, no, yeah, it is. <laughs> in the court with my mom and my brother yeah, sitting there, and, it is, yeah, uh, and, and and it was in, it was an injustice. Yeah. He he never, you know, he he never got that, you know, he never got it. They yeah. just got up and said, yeah. "That's it," and okay, the case is over. Bam, oh my God. and and so my mother, my mother was still suing the city transportation. Because of what happened to my other brother. Oh my gosh! So she went. She went from that. Yeah. To that. Oh my god. And my um, my oldest brother's death in a transit case. Um, they gave my family sixty thousand dollars for his life. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know. Listen. Uh, yeah. Okay. We got some. We got some furniture, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's. I'm like. That's. Yeah. That's all you're about to get. We, sixty thousand. We got some furniture. And paid some taxes. I'm sure on it. Pay some taxes. Yeah. Man. We paid some taxes. My mother was so. Oh my god! Um, but the, because his case resulted in a victory, 
She was happy. Okay. Well, that doesn't matter. Okay. She was happy. You know, okay. Somebody said, okay, we're going to give you a, you know, award for your son. She was like, we won. Because she had just spent all those years okay. in the losing case. And, yeah. And it became a shared victory for the whole family and for my brother who was yeah. abused by the cops and all that. But here's the thing about um, this book. Again, I don't just tell horror stories. Yeah. Fearless is funny. Okay, good. Fearless is a funny book because I, I came straight from a stage presenter to, the, okay. to, to authorship. Okay. And my stage presentations are very uplifting oh, sure. and funny. And yeah. so when these things, these realities, these hard realities happen on stage, the audience is always sort of shocked because yeah. I'm going along almost like a stand-up comedian. I'm just going yeah. along, bang, 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 and suddenly you hear, pow, you know. So I had to bring that, that positivity and that humor mm -hmm. to Fearless. Fearless has... Some chapters, so funny. Okay, good. I hate to say that. I hate to tell someone they're about to laugh. Oh, but you're going to laugh. I'm telling you. Okay. James. I'm going to laugh. When you call me. Yeah. The second you finish laughing. I was laughing writing most of this book. Oh, that's book. good. I like that. That's good. But I was crying writing some of this book. Yeah, I'm sure. I was happy my wife was two stories away. We live in a tall townhouse. Yeah. I was so happy. <laughs> she was way up on the top floor. Thank <laughs> God, because I'm downstairs crying. Yeah. I was writing yeah. longhand. I wrote this on, like, composition oh, pads. Oh, wow. I, I'd just be crying and writing. And and that's life. It is. Life's not supposed to be one big nonstop party, new, you know, without right. sadness. Right. And it's okay to cry. It's okay. Folks. Okay for men to cry. Just don't do it in front of people. <laughs> <laughs> That's not my message. That's not the message? Not the message, Rob. The message is okay to cry. <laughs> Dang it. Period. Period. Right. It's okay. Men can't cry. You can, you can still be strong and be sensitive at the same time. There's right. nothing wrong with that whatsoever. <laughs> that's the message. All right. But no, that, that, that's really cool because, I mean, so you basically you went through a good catharsis writing this book then, didn't you? That's the perfect word. The, yeah. The, the catharsis was potent. Mm. It was funny because my first book is written in many drafts. For those of you who want to write a book, it's uh, that's the painful part of it's it. It's an arduous process. It's arduous. And there's all these drafts. My first draft, I was so happy with it. Yeah. Like the first big email <laughs> I went to my, my editor yeah. at Reader's Digest, um, I was so excited. And they, were like, and they were like, um, <laughs> trim that, drop that, do this. James, the whole draft yeah. got redlined. Oh, I'm sure. The entire draft. My book was called something else. The entire, the title, wow. the book, everything in the book. I'm like, what? What, what happened? She, um, I have a great editor, Andrew. Okay. Andrew said, Rob, listen, this is not a stage. You're not on stage somewhere. Uh, okay. A book is an emotional process. Yeah. Um, being on stage, you know, you really can't get too emotional up there. You can't start crying and stuff on stage. Yeah, I was yeah, like, that's yeah. true. You can't do that. She said, yeah, but here you can. Ooh. You have to feel something. I have no idea. I'm reading your first draft right now. I can't tell how you feel about anything. You're so dispassionate telling this story. You need to go back and write. Wow. Like Wait, you like, write, write the way you know how to write. Okay. And um, I don't know what goes into greatness. Okay. I suspect, I suspect it's a willingness to go back and do it the right way. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So I had to <laughs> go back in, go back in, yes, and do and some writing. I was um, seven drafts away, okay, full draft, okay, away from this okay. book at that okay. time. So I went back and felt it, felt it. In fact, some of it I've forgotten. I had to call my my siblings. I got yeah. a sister in Florida, Judy. 
So I called Judy and she told me, oh, you, you forgot about this, you forgot about that. My memory's not great. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm on the phone with my college roommate going, do me a favor, go back to 1981 right quick <laughs> yeah, yeah, for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I found out other people have great memories. I know, so we'll do. They really do. So I'm, I'm halfway okay. You know, yeah, I, listen, I have a friend, my friend Sonia uh, Clayton. She was so vivid <laughs> with her memory. I'm like, I was doing what? She talked about like when I was a freshman at Syracuse. I ended up going to Syracuse. And she talked about like right after my mom passed. My mom um, got sick when I was a senior in high school. Okay. Cancer. And she died when I was uh, only at Syracuse for two months. Oh, wow. And mm. cancer just ravaged her body. And took cancer her out. does not care, does it? No. Oh, and she was, she was 49. Oh, my God. She was around my was, age. She was about your age. That's crazy. I'm five years older than that. Wow. Okay, so she was she and she looked young. Well, of course she did. Black, you know yes, what I mean? Of course we do. We look good. Fifty. I'm fifty four. Come okay. on. Okay, never guess. Never <laughs> Thank guess. you. Never guess. I'm boasting about that right now. No, I know. I know. Trust me. As I said, my birthday's coming up too. Oh, yeah, I understand that one. I bought a bottle of wine. I got carded recently. Did you last really? week. Oh, funny. Yeah. Anyway, so um, when she passed away, I was in my freshman year. Miles and miles away from home, Syracuse, New York is nowhere near Philadelphia. No. And I created this comic strip out of grief, literally out of grief, called Hector. Okay. And I sat down in my dorm and started to draw samples of Hector. I decided to um, to channel this. Grief is not even the right word. For, I was devastated. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, she was my hero. She yeah. was my cheerleader. Um, when I was 10 years old, she, she sent my. I used to make up little stories in my room. I make up little characters and you know, yeah. you, have, you have a brother who's a cartoon. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, when you're little, it's like yeah. I had a bluebird. Oh. Mr. Birdie. <laughs> he was real creative. Yes. I had a little story. Mr. Birdie was seven pages of stapled yeah. book. You know what yeah. I mean? Mom, I got a book. She was like, that is such a great book. Yeah. Oh my God. So she supported you. She supported it. And she sent that book to Random House, Scholastic. <laughs> Scholastic Lawrence. That book came back in a little package. Like I was all excited. I, we got we heard back from them. Uh, it was like, get out of here. I yeah. mean, it was like, that's that's nothing. But she supported you. That's the thing. And she said they will be sorry. They blew okay. it. Okay. They blew it. Mm -hmm. And so she so she, her passing, so I was like, wow. And I didn't notice. I called my friend Sonia from Syracuse, and she said, "Yeah, when when you were um, doing that, mm -hmm. you were making this Hector comic strip. You just sat for days without eating or sleeping. I used to, I, I would bring you um, food from the cafeteria. I was like, get out of here. But, you know, I would sit there and I'd watch you draw, and wow. you would sit in your chair and, I mean, like you were under a spell. There's no way I could have remembered that. Yeah, because I wasn't in my right mind. Oh, right. Okay." I was traumatized. Yeah. I was catatonic. I was sitting there oh, drawing sure. this thing. Yeah. Took the final product to the Daily Orange, the school uh, okay. newspaper. And yeah. uh, they started running Hector, man. Hector ran every day for the wow. four years I was at Syracuse. Wow, that's great. Yeah, Hector was the thing that led to uh, Jumpstart. So that was your first kind of foray into a daily comic? Yeah, like people loved it. And like, you know, Hector was different. Like Jumpstart's positive and like, it's, you know, it's mainstream. Yeah. I mean, all these... I'm in yes. uh, 400 newspapers or something like that. Yes. Hector was irreverent and just wrong, just off and wrong. Because I was depressed, I think. I, I was definitely yeah. angry then. I, as a 19-year-old kid, I was definitely angry. Okay. And Hector came off angry and kind of nasty. And like kids in college loved Hector. Oh, funny. Hector was a hit, man. 
And I mean, to this day, they give out an award called the Hector Award for the best, oh, how fun. the best Daily Orange comic strips. It's like an Oscar. You yeah, a little Hector statue. How oh, funny that! And uh, it's amazing. That's it's amazing. Wow. Like, you affected change. I affected some change. So, so Hector led to Jumpstart. Jumpstart's the. Um, can I draw? Okay, folks, he's going to draw a little something. This is really quick. This is really cool, too. So, yeah, go ahead. I'm going to draw right fast. I hope they can see this on that camera. Yeah, he's going to work camera. it out. He's going to work it out so, for you. So, uh, if you've never seen Jumpstart, it's in, um, it's probably in a newspaper in your city. It's yes. in a lot of cities, but it's online, too, at gocomics.com. So yep, it is. Check that out. Yeah, it's been around for a long time. And, um, you know, I have I, I, one of the questions I've always wanted to ask you, of yes. course. I, I just interviewed Ed Asner the other day. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. Guess what? And That's so it's crazy. Crunchy. Is, that, is that crunchy? Yes, crunchy. That's what I thought. I was like, okay, I'm going to ask you. Can you get Ed back in here? Probably. This is he's this, this is him. We I it was one of the, it was one of the craziest, most amazing interviews I've ever done in my entire life. What? He's I mean, he was so sharp. And on it that I had to say, you, I'll send you. I'll send a link so you can watch our our, our interview. James, I'm, look at this. This yeah. is Ed Asner. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Like it literally. Uh, that's what I thought. Is Ed Asner, Crunchy uh, Joe's partner? <laughs> yes. Uh, was model even though Jumpstart was launched um, in 1989. Mm -hmm. um, like the Mary Tyler Moore show and all that mm -hmm. was fresh on my mind for some reason. Oh, funny. I mean, it was off the air by then. Yeah, right. Yeah, but. I was really into the Mary Tyler Moore show. That's so funny. And I, and That's I what could, I thought. I was like, it's Ed Asner. It's, it's, it is. It's him. Oh, how funny is that? It's him. Wait, it's so weird. Wait, to connect you guys at some point. Would you please? Yes. He's a, he, he was, I mean, lovely guy. But he was just, he was one of the most interesting interviews I've ever done. So you have, you have wow. to see, you have to watch it. You have to watch it. It's, Unbelievable. This happened like, like a week and a half ago. That's we sat incredible down. coincidence. And so it's ironic that, yeah, that, well, I don't believe in coincidence. I believe everything happens, like, it's, you just, it's all right. supposed to happen. So it's funny, you come on, we can have later. I'm like, I get to actually ask him this. I wanted to ask him this whole time. What else do you want to know? I also want to know, okay. Fire away. Okay. So unlike Boondocks mm -hmm. and other black comics like that that are more of the hood and kind of ghetto and kind of... They they call themselves super you know super black whatever right your Cosby is very upbeat and positive mm -hmm. and I compare it to the Cosby Show right which got a lot of flack too of course they showed two parents that was was in good times so what are, what are, what are some of your reactions to some of that criticism um well uh well the Boondocks is excellent yeah that's um, great, that's great. Uh, the boon the Boondocks phenomenon and the Jumpstart phenomenon. To me, in my mind, it just shows that we are very diverse like that. people. Mm -hmm. That we can express ourselves in a large variety mm -hmm. of ways. I'm nothing, I don't know Aaron all that well, but I've spoken to him, mm -hmm. I've met him. I'm nothing like him. Like, mm -hmm. if, you met, if you met the two of us, we right. only have a career drawing comic strips right. in common. Right. Um, I think that um, um, it's not. Fair. I, I don't hate to use the word fair. You can read the strip and take whatever you want from <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, right. But Jumpstart doesn't even aspire to be um, an unrealistic, overly upbeat, positive right. portrayal right. Of, right. of a black family. The, the, right. the, the main characters in Jumpstart, Joe the cop, Marcy the nurse, mm -hmm. the four kids, uh, they're far from perfect. It's, mm -hmm. hard to it's hard to derive comedy or comedic moments out of perfection. Right. Yeah, right. You have to have uh, flaws and foibles yeah, I agree. just to create, to yeah. write comedy, to yeah. write something funny. Yeah, People have to understand that 
the person on the page is a lot like them. And frankly, the only thing we all have in common mm -hmm. is struggle. Mm -hmm. Everybody suffers. That's the one thing we have in the rich, the poor, the Trumps, the immigrants, mm -hmm. everybody suffers. And mm -hmm. if you can tap into that common thread of suffering to show how people handle trials mm -hmm. and tribulations, sometimes you can do it in a very humorous way. I've been really fortunate to have strong characters in Jumpstart and those characters drive the action. This is not my podium. I'm not right. trying to preach using the strip leader right. or not. Right. The, the characters, I allow the characters to speak speak to me. This is going to sound really like a psychiatrist's couch for a second. I love it. I love it. But I allow the characters to conduct that, to direct the action. Um, I'm I'm blessed with the ability to draw them and to write yeah. and to my my brain I allow my brain to go into that world so that when I write for Crunchy, it doesn't sound anything like the writing I do for Joe. When I write mm -hmm. for Marcy, it appears a woman is writing Jumpstart. Mm -hmm. When I write for the twins, I was writing for them when they were in the womb, <laughs> yes. talking to each other as fetuses. Right, yeah, right, right. Um, if there is like anything to be read into that, that's super pro-life. Yeah, yeah, no, it, yeah it's, it's <laughs> super pro-life, that is. There are fetuses in there. Yes. Now, why am I even doing that? Is it because yeah. I'm, a, I'm a Christian? It's actually because I'm grateful I wasn't aborted. That, that's why I'm doing yeah. it. That's why the twins had character and personality. Yeah. In the womb. And the relationship inside the womb. Because yeah. I'm just happy. I was the fifth child born to a single mother. Yeah. I'm just happy, you know. You made it through. Yeah, she never threatened to. I never heard that from my mother, by the way. She never, you know, I thought about her. You know, she yeah, never right. did yeah, that. Yeah. But it could have gone either oh, yeah. way. You're the fifth kid to a woman who's out here in the street on her own, yeah. you know, raising kids, bad kids. <laughs> yes. Like, you know what I mean? My brothers, yeah. my, please. I'm the nicest one in my family. <laughs> Trust me. I love it. I love I'm it. the nicest one. My yeah. sister Judy. Yeah. I mean, thank God I was related to her. <laughs> she just fought my battles outright. <laughs> I just come in the house like Judy. We got another one. She was more than happy to beat uh, someone up. Oh, I love it. So I want to bring something up that yes. you did do that was kind of race related. Okay. Um, this is a while. I don't feel you said your memory. I mean, I don't know. So. Crunchy had asked Joe why so many black guys were wearing the medallions. Remember back in the day, I, I wore mine too, my African dye, where I was wearing my stuff too back then. And Joe talks about how it symbolizes pride and heritage. Right. So you have a scene at the end where he goes and Crunchy wears a medallion as part of Czechoslovakia. It looks like Czechoslovakia. <laughs> I love that. I think, I think it was such a smart, that was actually very smart, yeah. a way of kind of talking about pride. And at that time, it was a lot of Afro pride in the right. early, early 90s. You know, we're all kind of, it was like, you know, the Native Tongues movement was all, you know, De La Soul. Everybody's, everybody's going back to the Medan, all the mustard colors just like you were today right. and all that kind of stuff. And I had my hats and stuff too and I had my high top fades and all that crap. Um, but I thought it was a really cool thing you did kind of like to show because you did touch about race, but in a way it wasn't so like heavy handed. Yeah, I, you know what? I got a really like a incredibly nice email. I don't get a whole lot of fan mail by way of email. I get okay. old-fashioned letters a lot. Okay. Um, I get a lot of reaction on Go Comics, the site that Jumpstart yeah, yeah. runs on. I don't get a lot of email. I got the James. I got. I got. I think my favorite email came yesterday. Wow. A guy. A guy sent me a note. The, the email didn't even have body text. Oh. The subject line said. You are writing and drawing one of the best strips running. It's in league with Pogo, oh, wow. Gasoline Alley, oh, yes, yeah. and Calvin and Hobbes. Wow. 
and it had no body text. Oh. That was the title of his email. Uh, to me. Like you dropped the mic already. Right Drop say. the mic. No, Here's no. why, and I've gotten such great, I hate to say this, people have written me loving, I mean, yeah. you talk, talk about a medallion. Joe was wearing a medallion in one series and they got hit with a bullet. A guy unloaded, a suspect unloaded, yeah. and a bullet hit him in the medallion, saved his life. And I thought that's the one you were going to reference. Yeah, that was another one. And was people were like, thank God Joe lives. Or people believe these characters mm -hmm. are real people mm -hmm. and they and they feel fear when it's necessary, love mm -hmm. and all that. So I hate to say one email, right. and it was this guy who had nothing in the body. Yeah. But the reason that is meaningful it goes to what you're saying. Someone has just recognized that Jumpstart is simply excellent. Mm -hmm. James, when I sit down, it is sometimes under personal protest. This runs every <laughs> I day. I know, so I ask you, how do you do, like, I do mean, that? Dude, I mean, let us face it. Oh, my God, it, you know, yes. My wife is like, what are we going to do today? I'm like, I don't know what you're going to do. <laughs> I, you will find me downstairs in the basement all day. And she texts me when it's time yeah. to eat. It's yes. sad. It's, Please come up and eat. So it's not easy. Yeah. And sometimes it's very difficult to come up with material. Yeah. And I literally, in those, in those moments, my prayer is not to get me through, not to survive, not to whatever. I say, you know, I feel the least creative I've ever felt in my life. Yeah. I'm more exhausted than I can remember. Today's the day mm -hmm. to be excellent. Yeah. There's nothing stopping me today. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Mm. I could literally go down here and do the best work of my entire mm -hmm. career. I am without barrier. Nothing is in my way. Mm -hmm. Nobody and nothing is in my mm -hmm. way. Um, some of my best moments as a, as a writer mm -hmm. and as an artist have come in these trying times of weariness and like, what day is it? Oh no, it's, yeah. my deadline is right now. Uh, right. So this guy telling me um, that I'm going to, you know, I'm going to mention Calvin and Hobbes and, and you in the same breath and be out like. That's what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. When you do your job, I don't think it's necessary or important. And I hate to say this because you do your job mm -hmm. and you have whatever system in place, whatever mm -hmm. your methodology is. I don't know how effective or important or good it is to say, as a black man doing this, I'm going to be the best black. But right, listen, right. you have the opportunity mm -hmm. to be the best ever. Mm -hmm. Period. Behind the mic. Mm -hmm. Period. Period. Yeah. Like literally, mm -hmm. why not? Mm -hmm. My my issue with um, the Oscars this year mm -hmm. was, um, wow, like mm -hmm. you actually don't consider some work based on race, meaning you might not be recognizing the best picture of the year. For mm -hmm. all you know, mm -hmm. you've disqualified some movies. Mm -hmm. You've told some actors mm -hmm. you're not interested. Mm -hmm. How do you know that's the best picture? Mm -hmm. How do you know that's the best actor? Mm -hmm. you, you may have just made a gigantic mm -hmm. blunder. Mm -hmm. We, because we have so far to go just to get to the starting line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's true. <laughs> you know, but like we come, yeah. we come with incredible mm -hmm. potential. Yeah, we do. Like incredible power. Mm -hmm. You know, when I broke into the business, it was 1989. There were only four other black people in the industry at that, at that time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and one of them had discovered me, this man named Maury Turner. Okay. Maury Turner did a strip, he's passed away. Mm -hmm. he, his strip was called We Pals. 
And it's we, not familiar, kind of. Yeah, well, Weep House is incredible. Yeah. Like, it wasn't um, in the paper with other black strips for the okay. majority of its life. Oh, okay. Weep House got syndicated in 1968. Wow. The next black strip yeah. to go mainstream big time yeah. happened the year I got in. Yeah. I wasn't alone. I came with yeah. uh, Stephen Bentley, who does Herb and Jamal. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and Ray Billingsley, who does Curtis. So yeah. these three black yeah, cartoonists yeah. and Barbara Brandon, a female. Yeah. We all came in 1989. Yeah. So from 1968 to 1989, Maury Turner wasn't in the paper with other wow. black strips. Therefore, he wasn't compared no. to other black strips. Makes sense. He just had to be great. And he was. Mm-hmm. And he was a role model to me. Yeah. Can you imagine how I felt when in 1988, I got a chance, it's 1987 actually, but I got a chance yeah. to meet him in 1988, our friendship developed, and he led me to yeah. all those different people that ended yeah. up getting me syndicated. Yeah. And he did it without hesitation. When yeah. I was a nobody, I was on the phone. I, somebody, um, there was an editor in Philadelphia uh, named Rich Argood, and I was in Philly, I was living there and stuff, and and I was trying to get syndicated any way I could. I was walking, literally walking into newspaper buildings yeah. and, and bringing my stuff. Oh, I love it, yeah. And they would sit there and look at me like, what are you doing here? <laughs> are you kidding me? Yes. Who let you in? Right. And But this guy was different. He was like, you know what? For a young guy, you seem to have a lot of courage. I know they, they look for that. Yeah. You had no hesitation. You just walked yeah. up here. You, yeah. You're in here trying to get a job. He said, you... What you want is to be syndicated. You don't want to work for me yeah. at one newspaper. It's a lot of work. It's every day. Yeah. I said, I do want to get syndicated, but it's been hard. It's yeah. been years. I've been trying since I was in college. He said, look, call this man. Rich yeah. Argood slid Maury Turner's phone number okay. across the table to me Okay. back in 1987. Wow. I'm looking at this thing. Now, I've grown up with this man as one of my idols. Yes. And he, like I said, he was just incredible. Like, I had practice drawing his yeah. characters from Wee Pals and yeah. all that. I said, oh my gosh. He said, yeah, go, call him. I said, you sure about this? Does, can you tell him that I'm going to call and everything? He said, no, I'm not going to tell him you're going to call. <laughs> I'm telling you, he's a nice guy. Yeah. Call him. Next morning, man, ring. Hey, Mr. Turner, listen, my name is Rob Armstrong. I'm calling from Philadelphia. He said, you know what time it is? <laughs> I said, yeah, it's nine o'clock. I just got to work. You know, I just wanted to let you know. He said, I live in Sacramento, California. Sacramento, what? It's six o'clock in the morning here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I had never traveled anywhere. Yeah. I didn't know at that time yeah. that there was a difference in time. Yeah. I said, I'm sorry, man. You want me to call you back? He said, I'll tell you what. Let me wake up. Give me your number. Yeah. This is before cell phone. He said, give yeah. me your number. Yeah. I promise I'll call you back. Okay. Let me get myself together, man. You woke me up out of, yes. out of, out of bed. Yes. I don't know, man, I was little, I was sweating. Yes, I, was like, I blew it. Oh yeah. my goodness, that guy gave me his number and now he's mad at me and I woke him up and blah, blah, blah. And a half hour later, he must have showered and called me. He's like, hey, man, what's going on? Okay. What, do you, what do you want? Okay. And Maury Turner and I became friends yeah. over the phone. He invited yeah. me to um, to meet him in person in yeah. Ohio. Yeah. I, I drove to Ohio, caught a train actually to yeah. Ohio to meet okay. him. And he, um, he opened up some avenues. He didn't get me syndicated. Yeah. He just he said, I want you to meet a young dude who's uh, who's right on the cusp, you know. Yeah. And that's how it happened. Yeah. The next thing you know, my stuff is at, um, at what was then United Feature Syndicate. Okay. okay. Um, in front of Charles Schultz's editor. Wow. Who does Peanuts. Yeah. Charles Schultz's editor, yeah. George People. Yeah. New Maury wow. and stuff. And, and George People, I wonder why this kid isn't, um, 
isn't uh, syndicated. Yeah. And George People went to Sarah Gillespie, okay. editor yeah. at United Feature Center. Yeah. She called me and said, can you get to New York? Yeah. And uh, I was like, sure, come to New York. Yeah. She sat me down and said, let's, uh, let's do a contract. It took yeah. a long time after that, yeah. but that's how it I, I, it's, I'm so sad our time is up because I want to talk to you more, so you have to come back. Okay. But you just have to, you right. have to come back. Our it's time really is up? That was 50 minutes? Yeah. That's crazy, It man. is crazy. It goes by fast. Unbelievable. Especially talkers like us who have like good stories. You have great stories. No, I'm glad you think so. I would love to come back. Yeah. You have to. You, have to, you seriously have to come back and do like a part two and just continue this conversation because it's Let's so, it. it's so, I mean, it's so, oh my God, it's so fascinating because I want to know more about how, yeah, how you really got in and how just it's... We're gonna, we're gonna work it. We're gonna work it out. I look forward um, to it, man. Quickly, two things. I ask every guest the same two questions. And I don't tell them. I don't prep them beforehand. So, one word or phrase. What word do you think we should take out of our vocabulary in English? Like we should, t- we should not say anymore. I don't want to say it on the air. <laughs> okay, well, that, I guess that's, that's an answer. But. Um, okay. You know what? Truthfully, it's not what you think. Okay. Um, can't. I like that one. What word do you think we should say more of or bring back into our vocabulary? I love you. Oh, I like that. That's a good one. We should say that more. We should say love more, period, shouldn't we? Yeah. We should. Fearless is the book. Make sure you get it. It comes out April 26th. April 26th, man. So make sure you get it. You go to Amazon. Probably go to your... What are your websites and stuff? You tell people in there what your websites are and everything. Okay. Uh, go to... Um, you go to robarmstrong.com is my official website. Um, it's under construction right now because my publisher is helping me with okay. some links. But it's still you can go there and just see pictures, <laughs> of, pictures of, like headshots of me if you want to. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> if you want to do that? Why not? But go to Go Comics to actually there read Jumpstart. Yes, please go. Just read it. It's really good. Pass it on to your kids, everybody. And just go to and, and go to Amazon. Go to Amazon.com to buy the book or Barnes and Noble. Yeah, Barnes and Noble. Fearless. And I'm James Lodge Jr. Thanks for watching uh, another edition of Breaking Into. Go to our Facebook page, Breaking Into, and follow me at James Lodge Jr. And I'll see you next time. From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us, info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio, Instagram, at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. The views expressed here are those of the host owner and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.